This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from Dr. Coulter. Takes a little time, but we'll get there. Everything has to to be just right. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. Again, we're glad to be with you. It's our our opportunity this morning and blessing to be able to share with you some of the things about marriage and relationships. Uh, Pastor Brent asked Esther to get a message ready for the second installment on marriage, and so she did. And then she asked me, if I would help her this morning. If you didn't hear last week's message that they presented on uh, marriage, you should listen to it online because I personally believe it was one of the best messages I'd heard for a long time on the subject of marriage. This is a series on relationships and marriage, so we're taking this opportunity to do marriage today. Uh, Pastor Brent warned us to be um, brief (laughs) because we've been married for 54 years and therefore... (laughs) That's something to clap about. (laughs) (laughs) And therefore we could spend with you all afternoon telling uh, telling you about our lives, ups and downs, uh, victories and defeats and all that and uh, keep you here till tonight. But we're gonna, what we're going to do is, Esther had put it down on paper, so we're going to stick uh, to the script as close as possible. Uh, Pastor Ben and Nicole will be back next week. They are attending a pastor's conference in Florida, nice place <clears throat> to be. So because they were there, they thought they'd take an extra couple of days for vacation, but they'll be back next week. But before we start today, I'd like to pray with you. Father, we thank you for your people this morning. Pray, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm I'm here. Are you okay? I'm good. (laughs) That's important. (laughs) Uh, marriage is a big subject, and you know we could go in many directions this morning. And because over the years, my husband and I have done a many series on marriage, on the topic of marriage, because the Bible has a lot to say about marriage relationships. And also, there are a lot of wonderful books uh, written by Christian men and women who have given their lives to the study of this subject. Uh, What we have realized over the years is that you can never stop working and learning about how to improve your marriage. We have been married 54 years, as my husband said, and we still want to improve that relationship because marriage is God's idea and the relationship can always be better. You know, when I said that we've been married for 54 years, I can imagine some of the young people in the congregation this morning thinking, man, they must be really old. So what I was going to do this morning, I was going to cut my jeans to see (laughs) 
to see if that would help, but I'm sure they'd feel... Help to relate to them. (laughs) But I thought that'd be a bit much. (laughs) The word relationship in the Webster's Dictionary says, the way in which two or more people talk to, behave toward, and deal with each other. And when you think about it, there are many relationships in our lives. Parent-child, brother-sister, husband-wife, employer-employee, friend-to-friend, grandparent-grandchild, teacher-student, pastor, and congregation. And Jesus taught about relationships in Matthew 22, 37 to 39. So Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In these verses, we see relationships and in general, how we are to act within these relationships. What we can draw from this scripture is that we exist within relationships in every area and that God created us to be, first of all, in relationship with him, which is the most important relationship, and then with each other. You know, when you say yes to Jesus and open your heart to receive him as your Lord and Savior, you are starting a personal relationship with God. And this is the beginning of a wonderful spiritual journey with God. And it lasts a lifetime. As you read the Bible and as you pray, you become transformed. In other words, you become changed in your thinking, in your mind, and in your will, and in your emotions, according to his plan and his purpose for your life. Notice what Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 2 says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, What is good and what is perfect and acceptable? Last week when uh, Pastor Brent and Nicole were ministering, they were talking about uh, what each brings to the table of marriage and what the other person can receive from the other spouse. Uh, We are talking about something opposite to that today. We are talking about what your spouse cannot give you. So one thing uh, to remember in this spiritual journey in relationship with the Lord is that we are all a work in progress because no one has reached or ever will reach perfection, except my wife. I thought that was you. Who was perfect to me. I thought that was you. (laughs) The Lord is able, however, to help you mature in your relationship with him through the scriptures. And because you have a relationship with him, he will get involved in your relationship with others if he's invited. So remember that, that God never forces himself on you anytime, even if with salvation or in a relationship or anything, he waits to be invited. The Lord desires all your relationships to be healthy, successful, and thriving, but it begins by loving him first. He wants to be the center And he says this many places in the scriptures. Let's look at one of them in Matthew 6.33. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I love the song that we sang earlier in the service, um, Jesus be the center of my life. He desires that from each one of us. And he also desires that to be the center of your marriage. When he's the center of your marriage and you bring him into the marriage scene and pray together and, you know, discuss things, the marriage goes much better. I don't know what we would have done if Jesus hadn't have been the center of our marriage. And Jesus wants to be really the center of it all. We are trusting the Lord today that there will be something that we share which will help any relationship. But specifically today, we're concentrating on the relationship of marriage. Esther and I noticed over the years in dealing with couples and counseling them that there is a common thread running through a lot of troubled marriages. The husband and the wife do not trust Jesus to meet their deepest inner needs. And you have to understand that all of us have primary deep needs, which only God through Christ can meet. When each one in a marriage relationship tries to rely on the other to meet these deep inner needs, disappointment and troubles begin. So do not make the mistake today of misunderstanding what we are saying. We are making the distinction between deep inner needs and a lot of other outer needs that the husband and wife need to meet and can meet for each other. But that's not the lesson today. That was the lesson last week. Therefore, this morning, we want to focus on three of our deepest inner needs. Uh, the first deep inner need we're dealing with today is acceptance. At the core of our being, where our life has meaning, we all want to be accepted. The dictionary meaning of acceptance is approval or regarded favorably. The opposite of acceptance is rejection. And all of us have felt rejection at one time or another in our lives. It could be from a friend. It could be from a family member, someone you love. And worst of all, from a parent. We may have felt rejected then when we were not chosen for that promotion that we wanted or for the sport team where we thought we were the one that should have been picked or to be picked for that job or to be in the in crowd at school, whether high school, university, or wherever. This pain for not being chosen or accepted is a terrible feeling of rejection which causes many wounds and, of course, which only Jesus can heal, and he will heal. Then there are the lies we tell ourselves based upon rejection. For example, you're not important or you'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. Maybe you've been told these things in your life or you'll never be forgiven of that sin that you committed. These kinds of lies work havoc not only in our lives, but in our marriage relationship. And none of these come from God. So the problem is that when we repeat these things to ourselves and we allow them to take root in our personalities, they affect us negatively and subsequently 
our marriage relationship. When we have felt rejected, we try to find acceptance in the wrong place. Instead of starting with God first and what he has said about us, we look to our spouse. By putting pressure on our spouse to provide something they are not equipped to provide, we start saying things like, you don't make me feel accepted or I don't feel loved. The good news today is that you don't have to chase after this deep need of acceptance from your spouse because God has already provided and given it to you even if you don't realize it. And here's what he says about you and it's found in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. So Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4, let's look at it together. God has blessed us in Christ With every spiritual blessing, he chose us, that is, he accepted us. He chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world in love. So here is where we start to find the truth about ourselves. You have been chosen by God himself in love, and his love is unconditional, whereas human love is conditional. The truth, according to the scripture, is that he chose and accepted you before everything. Now, think, think about this for a moment. Before everything, God chose you in Christ. Before God chose to make the oceans, he chose you. He chose you before he made the planets, the solar system, the sun, and the stars. He chose you before all of creation. He chose to love you. That's how deep God's choice and God's acceptance is of you today. Mm -hmm. It reminds me what the hymn writer said, and you may know this song, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You want to give your life to a person who loves you so amazingly. I feel like singing that. No, you better not. (laughs) Why? Why? Well, Brent will say, what will he think? He'll say... (laughs) He'll say, I I can't leave them alone for one weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I hope you understand what we're saying here today. It's important. Because if you have inner acceptance, the outer acceptance, if there's no outer ones, that means that you can go through that problem, the inner peace or the inner acceptance sustains you through rejection on the outside. God's infinite acceptance and love means that he remains our best friend on our worst days. Yeah, that's great. His acceptance is not fickle or changeable. Mm-hmm. Peter has something to say about this in his letter to the church, 1 Peter 2.9. <clears throat> but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, talking about you, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what? You have been chosen and accepted by God himself. This is the truth about you. 
It has nothing to do with feelings, nothing to do with circumstances, nothing to do with the other person's rejection. It is based on truth in God's word. And when you gave your life to him, he called you, listen, he called you out of the darkness of rejection into his marvelous light of acceptance. I'm going to say that one more time. He called you out of the darkness of rejection into his marvelous light of acceptance. Yeah, so wonderful. Uh, Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. He made us accepted. Now, another verse, listen to in Titus chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God, and he gave us the hope of eternal life. Notice the words in that verse. He made us and gave us. He did it all for us. That truth has sustained Esther and I that we learned early in our marriage. But it sustained us in the ministry, that the part that we're accepted by him and called of God by him. We have pastored basically all of our married lives for 54 years, except the last eight when Pastor Brent took over the church. But there were times when we had to rely on the inner acceptance by God when when somebody would leave the church and we couldn't figure out why and they would say things like well you know we enjoy the service and we enjoy the ministry but we just think we have to move on and we're thinking reject it again (laughs) but when you have the acceptance on the inside you can't take it personally you can't take it personally and it sustains you Mm mm-hmm If you're trying to get acceptance from God, like you're trying to get it from your spouse, or by chasing after it, or by trying to earn it, you're never going to experience that deep inner spiritual need of acceptance. Because it's a gift Mm -hmm. and can only be received as a gift. Mm -hmm. God has made us acceptable in Christ. So you don't need to perform your way into acceptance by God. The acceptance that God gives is a gift. Mm -hmm. Acceptance is one of our deepest inner spiritual needs. Your spouse cannot meet. It is only met by God through Christ. So realize today this. I'm accepted by God. Mm -hmm. I am therefore acceptable This truth is very profound. It is life-changing. And when we have shared it with other people, it's one of the saviors in marriage. That was so good. Now let's go to the next deep inner need, which we are calling identity. One of the dictionary meanings of identity is individuality, the qualities that make one person different from another. Is 
Is it my turn? Your turn. <laughs> I was just enjoying your song. <laughs> I know. That's when you got breath You can I was just enjoying that. On. I thought, okay. Often we may ask ourselves, who am I? Because we identify ourselves in many ways, by our names, our families, our vocation, our schools, our church, or by many other things. We are all those things outwardly, but there is that deeper inner need of identity. Who am I, and why am I here on this earth? I can remember thinking to myself, who am I? Because my outside identities were always changing. At different times in my life, I had all these different labels. Of course, I started I was a child, then I was a teen, then I was a high school graduate, then I was a secretary, Bible school student and graduate, married, youth pastor's wife. That was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, youth pastor. We were a youth pastor's wife. Come on, kids. <laughs> Secular employee while my husband earns some of his degrees. A mother. Then for a period of time, secular employment. Then a university student part-time. A senior pastor's wife. A prayer leader. An ordained minister. A grandparent. And now I am the pastor's mother. Well, who in the world am I? I don't even know who you are. Who is this woman, <laughs> who is this woman beside me? Who am I? <laughs> well, you know, I eventually realized, came to the truth about all this, that what I do, it's a function, is not who I am. What I do is not my deep inner identity. But I can remember... Um, taking my identity uh, from you. I can remember going through this. So whoever you were is then what I was. I was living my life through you. At one period of our marriage, I went from being a senior pastor's wife then to an associate pastor's wife. And those are two completely different functions. But I can remember thinking, I am so confused. Who am I? But, you know, I, all of a, that was then I got that revelation that eventually um, I realized what I did was really not who I was. And I did not get my true identity through you. And I, my identity was who Jesus made me to be. He called me his child. I was his daughter. And I was complete and secure in him. I didn't need any other completeness or security or identity because it was all through Jesus Christ in my life. That was a wonderful day. I think we came across this truth almost together. I, um, I grew up in a, a, an only child. Esther grew up in a family of six. That's why we get along so well. <laughs> a family of six. <laughs> So I, I think I knew that I, I know that I had a lot of relational needs when I got married. And so at the beginning, I was putting a whole lot of pressure on my wife to supply those needs that I needed, which she couldn't do. Therefore, at the beginning, we were a little bit... Um, had some fights. Was it fights? <laughs> I thought it was just discussions. No, no. 
arguments. <laughs> well, the psalmist has a lot to say about this. In Psalm 139, 13 and 14, For you formed my inward parts, knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. See, only God can give you your true identity. Again, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's not just the pastor and his wife who is called by God. We're all called to be participants in the kingdom of God. That's how important you are. I like that also, and it says workmanship. Well, God doesn't make any piece of junk. Right, and you're not. No, and neither are you, and neither are these people, any piece of junk. Okay, now let's look to Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16a. It says, see, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. This is God talking. Think Think about what God is saying. I got you right there. Anytime you need me, just call on me. I'm thinking about you. I care about you. I created you. You're important. That's a good identity to have. Yes, it is. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I love that verse because that's a, a verse that I memorized when I was a teenager. So it has a special place in me. It's always blessed me. From these scriptures that we've just read, we see that we have been created by God. But there are other scriptures in the Bible indicating that he knows, can you imagine this? He knows the number of hairs on our head and also that we are each unique. I'm glad God is good at math because mine keep changing. <laughs> they don't keep adding, do they? No, I keep going. <laughs> they keep subtracting. <laughs> um, these other scriptures reveal that there is no one else exactly like you in the whole wide world. Right. We all have a different DNA now that they've discovered all that. And no two fingerprints are alike. Can you just imagine that? This is how God created us. It's amazing. Early in our marriage and early in our ministry, the Lord taught us that every person that God sends to the church is important. That he died for, that he loved, that he cares about, that he created them, that he gave them a task in this earth. And when, when, it's, when they are important to God, then they were important to us. And he's gifted everybody for something for him that he wants them to do. So this morning, if you are struggling with this deep inner need of identity, we have good news today. The struggle is over because as Christ followers, we are identified with him. 
He lives in us by the Holy Spirit, and he gives us our identity. We are his children. That makes me a daughter of the Most High God. That's how I think of myself. And he is my heavenly father. I had an earthly father who's not here any longer, but I have a heavenly father. Therefore, I am going to act that way and be treated that way Mm. and think of myself in that way. Don't mess with Esther. (laughs) Because I am his daughter. Yes. Praise God. Yes. When you see yourself as when you see yourself as a child of God, mm-hmm. a woman who sees herself as a child of God will not allow abuse, will not put up with it. Mm-hmm. Ladies, you getting that? We won't Our, get on that subject. Though. Okay, we won't get on that. Because <laughs> we could. We could. Our spouse cannot give us our true identity because it can only be found in God through Jesus Christ. We are created in the image of God, and because we are created in the image of God, the struggle for putting pressure on your spouse for your deep inner spiritual need of identity is over. We don't need to look to our spouse for our identity because we have God's identity, and he has gifted us and enabled us as his child to achieve what he desires to do in us and through us in this earth for his glory. We are all important to God. Yes, you can keep preaching. The last deep inner need that we want to discuss today is security. The dictionary meaning, I like to look up words in the dictionary so I know what I'm dealing with. The dictionary meaning for security is knowing you are well protected and provided for and freedom from anxiety or worry. Mm. Notice there are three dimensions to security that we want to talk about. Protection, provision, and freedom from anxiety or worry. Now, this, is a, this is an inner need that we have because there is, there is a certain amount of security that one can get on the outside, certain amount of protection, certain amount of provision, certain amount of freedom from anxiety and worry. But what if you don't have those things on the outside? Mm -hmm. You need something on the inside to sustain you through that problem. So when you have inner security, even if you don't have outer security, it can sustain you until outer security comes. So the first dimension of security that Esther mentioned there is protection. So let's look at Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2 and 9 to 11. He he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty God. I will say to the Lord, Lord, you're my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Now, if a person doesn't have an understanding of God's identity or God's acceptance, they're at a disadvantage 
So if you don't know what the scriptures say about a particular subject, you're at a disadvantage. That's why whatever you're going through, find the scripture that covers your case and start appropriating it by the words of your mouth and it'll change the circumstances on the outside. Mm -hmm. Okay, now the second dimension of security is provision. Let's view it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. When we combine protection and provision from God in our discussion of security, our anxious and worrisome days are over because if we are protected and provided for, we are not worried. So the third dimension of security is freedom from anxiety and worry. Notice Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Mm -hmm. Now, God is saying this to the Philippian church who are born-again believers. He was saying, you're supposed to rely on the security on the inside. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you have that peace, which which God's security gives, you have that peace, things can be going on on the outside of you and you can think to yourself, man, I should be upset. But I'm not upset. Why are you not upset? Because you have the peace of God that passes all understanding. You can't even describe it. It's so wonderful. Enjoy the peace of God today. Because I could, faith, I could get preaching. I know you could. And I'm just ready. Okay, let's go. I get preaching this morning. I, I better. Yeah, we <laughs> Because faith in God is our security, this is important. We should never allow what is reserved for God to be misplaced in a spouse. Don't put that into your spouse because it's only God. Because if you do that, you will inevitably be disappointed. So we've noticed over the years that couples get married and have unrealistic expectations as to what their spouse can do for them, which places a lot of undue pressure causing disappointments in one spouse and a burden too much to bear on the other spouse. So today, our desire is you place your trust in God as your security, which includes protection, provision, and freedom from anxiety and worry. Here's another verse, which is very good. Jeremiah chapter, you should probably be writing these down and then you will be able to look them up yourself. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8 says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves Mm. will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Your inner security and strength are dependent upon Jesus, who is totally faithful and who has unlimited resources. When you put your life in his hands, 
Your life will be filled with an atmosphere of blessing, satisfaction, optimism. And that's true because Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says it like this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Meaning what? That he's always there, ready to be your security, and he never changes. Yes, amen. Praise God. So you may be frustrated this morning in your marriage relationship and perhaps have even thought or maybe have even said this, what's the use? I can remember thinking to myself during our married period, what's the use? You actually say that? Sure. We were going, I don't know, remember what we were going through exactly because it was probably something stupid, but... I can remember thinking, well, what's, what's the use? Because I was looking to you to be my identity and security and to be my source. One day I realized that only God can be my identity, can be my security, and he is my source. And so I looked to him for all these things instead of looking to my husband. It takes a lot of pressure off him. Yeah, that was a... We each comment before I mean, we were, when Esther was preparing this that the days we understood in our own selves that our spouse was limited in what they could do for us it was, it was a great day that the pressure was off us and you take the expectations yeah. I'm just expecting you to do this and you were expecting it of me and I could not fulfill it and you could not fulfill it and when we took those pressures off then we could concentrate on the things that we couldn't do we could do when we were concentrating on the things they couldn't do was always frustrating when we got that straightened out then we started to enjoy what each other could do for the other person yeah when when and to appreciate the like pastor brenton said the the giftings and to appreciate each other for who you are and the giftings and who you are when god is your acceptance your identity your security you become a stronger person on the inside. On the inside, but you become a stronger person in the marriage relationship. I, I don't have anything more there. So. so we encourage you today to transfer all your deep inner expectations of acceptance, identity, and security to Jesus Christ today. You will not be disappointed because he is faithful to meet those needs. And we speak from experience. If spouses will do that, they will be ready to help the other spouse in times of need. You won't be always wanting just, uh, what about me, what about me? But you'll be able to help each other. Identifying the source of fulfillment of your deepest needs is the most important factor in a marriage and also in any relationship for yourself. And that is Jesus Christ. So let Jesus be your rock today. And let him be your source. And allow God to fill your heart with acceptance, his acceptance, identity, and security today. As you build your marriage, as you continue to build your marriage and build it on Jesus Christ. And it's a good thing to do. 
So as we close this morning, I would like to pray for all of you here today. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for each person that's here this morning. And we know that they're not here by accident because you lead and guide our lives. And I thank you, Father, that you will meet every need of acceptance, identity, and security in the people's lives today. And I pray, Father, for marriages, because we were concentrating specifically on marriages, that if there's any um, rejection that they are sensing or any um, identity problems or source problems, I just pray for that married couple today, that they will come and realize that you can be all that to them and that the pressure will be taken off. And, Father, that you will draw them closer together in the love bonds of Jesus and his love, that agape love, not human love. Human love just is very fickle, and it comes to an end. But we thank you, Father, just to infuse every married couple with the love of God, which is shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Spirit, and that they will yield to that love and not to the human love. So I pray, Father, that you will just knit the married couples together and that this will be the first day of the rest of their marriage and it will just get better every day. And to realize that marriage is a process and it doesn't happen overnight. You just keep working at it and just don't quit and give up. So I pray, Father, for every couple and for every other person here, for whatever that need, that you would heal You would heal any wounded or rejected heart that just go right down inside of them. And, Father, you can heal that, Father. Only you can heal it, Father, so that we pray that they will look to you for that healing today in their their lives. And we ask all that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Praise God. Can you say amen to that? Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.